ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm 12 Kyle. Check this out. On this podcast, we're going to talk about one of the most phenomenal albums to come out in the 90s. It's a hip-hop classic. On November 9th, 1993, the debut album from the Wu-Tang Clan. Wu-Tang entered the 36 Chambers. This album turns 25 years old. And I'm going to break it down, give you my thoughts on the album, and tell you why it is a classic. So sit back, relax, we'll drop the theme music, and we'll get the podcast jumping. Let's get it. Thirty-six chambers. Thirty-six chambers is like our backyard, to where we make all our lyrical, our music, our sounds, whatever, all our styles or whatever. Like that's the, the that's the home. That's the that's word. Like he said, that's the cave. That's the treehouse. Whatever you want to call it. It's like I could bring you through a crazy chamber. He could bring you through a chamber. He could bring you through a chamber. But when we come together. It's on, you know what I'm saying? It's going to be chambers coming from everywhere. You're going to be getting different feelings, different thoughts, different vibes. I mean, it's going to be you. You're going to be feeling sad at one second. The next minute you feel like, ah! You know what I'm saying? And the next minute you just on some old, on some cool out lounge. You know what I'm saying? 36 chambers is basically going through different degrees of life. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, see, see, every day, every day you go through a chamber. You make it to that next day. So you're right. going through a chamber, you know? Right. And we just take you through our chambers right now. You know, it's 30, like we saying, it's 36 points in the body. You know what I'm saying? 10 degrees apart. So that's dealing with 360 degrees right there. And see, the clan has 360 degrees within them of knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. You know? So it's like, it's like that's, that's what the chambers is. That's what, that's what 36, 36 chambers is dealing with. Welcome back. As I mentioned in the intro, we're talking about Enter the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers the debut album from Wu-Tang. Now, if you've been hiding under a rock, you know who Wu-Tang is. But in case you didn't know who or what Wu-Tang is, I'll let the Jizza explain it to you. Basically, man, Wu-Tang represents a sword style of rhyming, man. The Wu is the way, the Tang is the slang, the clan represents the family, man. We call it a sword style because we are lyrical assassins and we are aware that the tongue is symbolic to the sword. You know what I'm saying? So we work with it like that. Also, if you want to break it down within each letter, it can represent witty, unpredictable talent and natural game. Meaning that what you have here is a clique of brothers with witty, unpredictable talent and a lot of natural game. I say natural game because that's like street sense. You have to have natural game in order to survive in the slums or the, or the ghetto. Or street the, the knowledge, process. street knowledge. Street knowledge. So uh. basically Wu-Tang is a sword style. We, we utilize our tongues against guns. You know what I'm saying? And there you have it. So it goes without saying the Wu-Tang consists of nine members. Master Killer, Old Dirty Bastard, Ghostface Killer, 
Method Man, Raekwon the Chef, You God, Inspector Deck, Jizza, and Rizza. And then later on, subsequently, they added a 10th member, my man Cappadonna. Um, so I guess I probably should start by telling you how I found Wu-Tang. Now, I've mentioned this on other podcasts, but it's worth repeating. Um, I remember this album, like I said, came out November 9th. I had no idea that it dropped. I was in college at uh, my alma mater, South Carolina State University. Shout out to my school. And um, I played football, right? And we were we were celebrating our season, and uh, we were elected to celebrate. And we had a bowl game, and the bowl game was called the Heritage Bowl. And our conference, the Mid Eastern Athletic Conference, was playing against the winners from the SWAC conference, which is the uh, which was Southern. So we were playing Southern in a bowl game on New Year's Day. Well, anyway, you know, they set everything up just like a regular bowl game, you know. And, and so we came to Atlanta. The game was in the Georgia Dome at the time. And uh, so just like any other bowl game, when you're a participant in the bowl game, you get these gifts. So <laughs> we got these gifts or whatever in this gift bag. And I remember getting this ugly ass shiny jacket. <laughs> It looked like Mace in the video with Puff. I had a shiny jacket. But anyway, in one of my gift bags, there was a CD. And on the CD, it said for promotional use only. And keep in mind, the album came out in November, but I didn't get the CD until like a month later. And again, I did. I never heard Wu-Tang or anything. And so... This was a gift to us as a team. So everybody on my team got the CD. It was in their gift bag uh, from the sponsors of the Heritage Bowl. So I get the album and I know what you're thinking. I immediately opened it and listened to it and fell in love with it. Mm, nah. <laughs> I actually, we got the, our game was on New Year's Day. So we got the album, I want to say like the week after Christmas. So in between, somewhere between uh, Christmas and New Year's. So we got the album and I never opened it. <laughs> uh, we played in the game. We lost. <laughs> but that's another story for another day. And came back to campus and I never opened. I mean, like it was still in the packaging. And much to my knowledge, none of my teammates opened the album either. In fact, some even threw the album away. Right. And one day, I want to say it was sometime in January, my man Mo, shout out to Mo, Mo came to my room and he was like, yo, you heard that Wu-Tang yet? <laughs> and I said, what? Who, 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 who is Wu-Tang? He's like, Wu-Tang, you heard the Wu-Tang CD yet? And I'm like, yo, what the hell is a Wu-Tang? I, I don't know, what, what do you mean, man? What are you talking about? He's like, the Wu-Tang CD? You got the CD? And I was like, no, I don't have a Wu-Tang CD. What are you talking, what the hell is, what the, what the fuck is a Wu-Tang? Like, what are you talking about? And he was like, yo, it was in the bag that they gave us when we went to the Heritage Bowl. 
And I was like, well, yeah, I still got my bag. It's in my room. I brought it back to campus and put it in my closet. I And again, we got jackets. We got watches. I think I wore a watch for a little while. But other than that, I mean, like, I didn't want... There was nothing in the bag that I really, really wanted. And that CD was one of the things... I mean, again, it said for promotional use only. So I, it wasn't even like... It didn't even look like we had a real CD. So he was like, yo, you need to open that and listen to it. And so I did. I went back to my room and I listened to the CD. And from the beginning, I was like, man, what the hell is this shit? Because <laughs> I had no clue as to what it was. Because like Mo gave me no context. He didn't say like, yo, these dudes are from here. You know, I couldn't I, I could tell that there were different voices, but I didn't know anything. And again, this is 1993. Well, at this time, it's, we roll into 1994 and keep in mind, there was no Internet. So it wasn't like I could go to YouTube and look up the video. Right. So I listened, And the first time I heard it, I just I was confused. I was like, Mo, what is this? So. I saw him the next day and I was like, yo, I listened to it. I don't understand what it is I'm listening to. He's like, nah, nah, man, you got to you got to listen to it. You got to listen to it. And so I was really about to throw it in the trash. <laughs> but Mo is my man. So anytime, you know, we talked about hip hop, I trust his ear. You know what I'm saying? So when he told me that, I was like, OK, I'll listen to it. So I started listening and I think like the first song that really jumped out at me was the only one that I really could understand. Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with, <laughs> which I'll get to that in a, in a minute. But um, that was dope. And in the song, they shouted out Morgan State, who was uh, another school that's in our conference. And so I was like, OK, these dudes are from are they from Baltimore? <laughs> I thought Wu-Tang was from Baltimore because that's where Morgan State is. And, uh, of course, then I read the liner notes and everything and realized where they were from. But this was a CD that I kept listening to back to back to back. And, I mean, like, I just kept playing it and playing it. And the more and more I played it, it just became, like, a staple for me. And pretty soon, not long after that, maybe a couple of weeks later, I saw the video for... Um, uh, the mystery of chess boxing and so after that i was hooked i was hooked i was learning who the who the voices were uh and the major players and you know where they were where they were from and um man this this cd was so incredible and here's the funny thing so Mo and I have this CD and everybody else on our team has the CD, but nobody's listened to it. And so one day we were at, um, we were just kicking in the dorm and Mo was like, you know, obviously both Mo and I are from the South. I'm from Florence, South Carolina. He's from Darlington, which is the next city over. And so we went to practice. I think we were in, we were in practice when we were in the dorm. And so we were mimicking one of the skits. And so he was like, yo, what up, son? And I was like, yo, what up, son? And so 
everybody was looking at us like we were crazy because we were saying, what up, son? And no. And keep in mind, we're in we're in the South. Nobody says son in the South unless you're from up north and you're going to school in the South. So that just like became our thing. And so subsequently, this album, little did we know it, but this album was on fire everywhere else really except our campus and by the time the video drops maybe about a week or two after that i remember it getting played at a party and man when they play wu-tang the girls went crazy <laughs> I mean, it just went crazy. And so, like, I had no idea that women were into Wu-Tang like this. But, you know, it bode well for us that night. So, we didn't know. But this this album was, was heat. I mean, like, it was literally burning up the charts. Um, it goes without saying this album was widely successful. And not only did it uh, become a staple uh, for hip hop, but you know, a lot of people attribute this album as to being one of the staples that quote unquote brought it back east, brought hip hop back to the east. Because at the time, the landscape of hip hop, keep in mind, 1992, the chronic drops. So, in hip hop, if we want to keep it a buck, the west coast had it on a lot. I mean. It was death row everything because Dre had dropped the chronic. Uh, I want to say in 93, maybe a couple of weeks later, Snoop was about to drop doggy style. So it was crazy. And ironically, Wu-Tang dropped the 36 chambers on November 9th. And there's also another album that dropped November 9th in 1993. Little album, you may have heard of it from a Tribe Called Quest, Midnight Marauders. So <laughs> the East was coming back, right? And, um, but this album was so crazy. But again, it was really, really credited for bringing the East Coast back, if you will. Uh, because, you know, like I said, the West had it on lock. Um, as far as, you know, numbers, uh, the album sold well. I think it sold to date, you know, two or three million copies or what have you. But, you know, even back then, it really wasn't even about record sales. It was just about being dope. And this was an album that featured, again, nine MCs from a place called Staten Island. Now, if you're not if you weren't really familiar with your hip hop geography, we all know New York. Right. But. To my knowledge, at least at that point, I couldn't remember any MCs coming out of Staten Island. Everybody was either coming out of the Bronx or Brooklyn or Queens. Um, you know, we knew Long Island, <laughs> but I didn't know anybody coming out of Staten Island. In fact, they call it Shyland, Shyland. And, um, you know, a lot of what they talked about uh, originated from the martial arts film, The 36th Chamber of Shyland. And I think that came out like 1978. So you have all these kung fu kung fu references 
you have hip hop references, you have pop culture references in their music, but lyrically, this album was on a whole nother level. I mean, I say it often, but there was nothing that sounded anything remotely close to the 36 Chambers. And I could make a case that there hasn't been since. Um, you know, this album gave birth to a whole new generation of MCs. And these MCs inspired other MCs. And one of the things that made Wu-Tang so dope was because, like, they really, the nine of them, had their own styles. Everybody sounded so different. Everybody was dope. And so there was a competition, I'm sure, when it came to recording and writing rhymes. Because, I mean, you didn't want to come whack. <laughs> now, obviously, if you ask someone who's the most popular member of the group, I mean, it goes without saying Method Man is. Uh, the ladies all love Method Man. And Method Man is dope, extremely dope within his own right. However, my favorite MC of the clan, ODB. <laughs> is he the best? No, he wasn't the best, but he's my favorite. ODB, the old dirty bastard, rest in peace, uh, reminds me of like a cousin. I think we all have a family member like ODB. Um, God rest his soul, man. That dude was, he, he was original, but he could rhyme his ass off. And, um, you know, one of the things that stood out to me about this album was just how lyrically precise they were. Um, and a lot of you don't remember was when they first came out, Ghostface Killer didn't show his face. He wore a mask. And that was dope in and of itself because he was the ghost face killer. Like you, you didn't know what his face looked like. Like, so I think the first video I saw was mystery chess box. And I think he had the mask on in that video. And I think the next video I saw was protect your neck. And if I'm not mistaken, he does not show his face in that video either. Um, in fact, it was a while before we saw him, his face publicly. Uh, I don't know if they did that by design or what have you, but um, yeah, man, it, it was it was dope. It was really, really dope, man. Um, the production on this album, <sighs> bruh. <laughs> uh, the RZA produced the album, uh, obviously, but I think this album really shows the dexterity of RZA. Uh, it shows how many different levels that he could go to. There wasn't, even when you listen to it, there are beats on this album that I wouldn't necessarily say that just blow you away, but the way that he samples in some of the old school R&B, um, the way that he samples in some of the Kung Fu flicks or the verbiage from the Kung Fu flicks. Um, it, it, it was, it, it was incredible, man. It was incredible. The RZA, he produced every track on the album. And um, I think 
this was the foundation for him laying the ground for being one being known as one of the most incredible producers uh, in hip hop history. And I think he he is just that. He is one of the best uh to ever get behind the boards. And that's, you know, subsequently from his work with Wu-Tang. Um I tell you what, let's take a quick commercial break and on the other side of the break, I'll tell you about the tracks. And I'll also tell you why this album is a classic and why it's still dope, dope to this day. So sit back, relax. Uh, we'll drop a commercial. We'll be back on the other side. It's like this, man. Clan represents family, man. Clan means family. We all a family. It's just like when you grow up in your household with your siblings or your brothers and sisters and y'all under one roof, y'all under your parents. And then as you get older, you got to spread out. You got to do your own thing. You know what I'm saying? That's what we're doing. We spreading out, but we, we, we just getting more cream and then we just bringing it all back together. That's all it is. Don't think, don't think that because... He has a solo deal, and I have a solo deal. This man may get a solo deal that we all we all just separating and breaking up. It's not that type of thing, man. We just we just expanding because the talent is so great. It's like we have we have mad talent in this, you know, and we just got to spread out. And just like that, we are back once again. It's your boy Twelve Kyle, the Twelve Kyle Podcast, and we're talking about Enter the Thirty Six Chambers from Wu Tang. 25 years later. All right. I would be remiss if I did not talk about these tracks. Um, first, the album gets cranking with Bring the Ruckus. <laughs> I got to tell you, like the first couple of times I heard it, like I really didn't understand what was going on because I didn't know the the voices and what whatnot. Um, but... Once I, you know, kind of let it marinate and everything, this song is so hard. <laughs> this song is so hard, man. Um, for me, listening to this album, like, if I listen to it today, it still sounds like it did back in 1993, honestly. Uh, I think it's aged very well. Um, some songs hit a little harder than others. But this song is a great start to the album. And then the next track, track two, Shame on a Nuh. Listen. <laughs> uh, I mean, what could be better than ODB on the chorus? I mean, it gets no better. <laughs> uh, on the first track, you got RZA, Ghostface, Raekwon, Inspect the deck and then Jizza bringing up the real and bringing the ruckus. Uh, on Shame on a Nuh, uh, Raekwon kicks it off. The chorus and the first verse is from ODB. Second verse from Met the Man. Third verse, Raekwon, and then ODB pulls up the rear on the fourth verse. Um, track three, Clan in the front. This is Rizza and Jizza. Um, another banger. I think when I, when you listen to this album, you, at least for me, like I just play it and let it go. Like I don't, I don't jump around tracks. I, I literally play this album from start to finish. It's just that good. Um, RZA used a lot of samples in this song. 
but um another banger uh track four is the quintessential posse cut and on this one it looks like everybody from the clan <laughs> damn near is on this album uh you got the skit at the beginning with raekwon meth ghostface you got an inspector deck raekwon gets the first verse second goes to meth third verse inspector deck you got Ghostface, RZA, ODB, and then Jizza closing it out. Love this joint. Seventh Chamber, pure banger. Uh, track five is arguably one of the most um, popular songs from Wu-Tang. Uh, can it be also simple? Uh, obviously, it samples the way that we were from Gladys Knight and the Pips. Um but yeah, this joint still bangs to this day. <laughs> uh, you got Rizza and Raekwon in the intro. Raekwon and Ghost on the chorus. Raekwon gets the first verse, Ghost gets the second. And I think one of the things that I learned from this particular song is how well Ghostface and Raekwon mesh together. And we would see that this was really the intro, if you will, to the music that they would produce later on, uh, on the Purple Tape, on their collaborative albums uh, going forward. So I always, you know, kind of liken Ghostface and Raekwon as like small, two small forwards on the wing coming down on the fast break, like one like you you can't go either like you're coming down the middle of the court you got one on one wing one on the other wing and i mean if you pass it either one they're gonna slam it so it's like it always comes back to that basketball reference but i just i love hearing those two together on a track um then we go to the uh aforementioned the mystery of chess boxing that's track six again this is the first song that i saw a video for uh you got Method Man on the chorus, You Got on the first verse, Inspector Deck on the second verse, Raekwon appears on the third verse, the fourth goes to ODB, fifth verse, Ghostface Killer, and Master Killer delivers the sixth verse. Now, what's interesting about this track is, if I'm not mistaken, this is the only track that You Got appears on. Uh, I think, and maybe someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think somewhere in the recording process you got got locked up and so this was the only song that he made on the album but um it's dope <laughs> it's still dope song uh and then we go to track seven the head banger um and they tell you from the beginning if you want beef then bring the ruckus wu-tang clan ain't nothing to fuck with <laughs> Uh, RZA, Inspector Deck, and Method Man are on this joint. Man, again, like I said, it's a banger. RZA sampled some tracks on, on this one, but um, it's so hard. It is so hard. And I mean, like, it's it's a crowd. It's one of those ones that get the crowd moving. Uh, and then track eight is probably Wu-Tang Clan and probably the most popular song uh, not just from the clan, but anyone else in the clan. Uh, and that would be cream cash rules, everything around me. 
And obviously there was a video for this one. Um, you got Method Man and, and Raekwon on the uh, intro. Method Man's on the chorus. Raekwon gets the first verse. Inspect the deck on the second verse. And the background vocal is from Buddha Monk. Um, there's really not much I can say about this song. This is the quintessential song for Wu-Tang. Many people identify with this song uh, with the clan. Uh, this song really sets it off. Uh, it is a commercial song, but it's it, it. I can't even really call it a commercial song because it just really took off. And the cream anthem, um, the cream basically became an anthem, if you will. Uh, it was one of those things that everybody could relate to. And it was something that everybody was saying. I need that cream. <laughs> Uh, and still to this day, man, it still goes hard. If you put it on at a party, you know, everybody knows the words. Your granny knows the words to this song. <laughs> uh, track nine, Method Man. Um, of course, there's some dialogue before the song starts. That's Method Man and Raekwon. Um, little skit there going. Uh, then you got the jizz in the intro. Method Man, there's a chorus and the verses. And RZA and Ghostface do the outro. What's interesting that I found about this song is that Method Man really resisted this song coming out as well as it being a single. Um, he really kind of wanted to play the back and he didn't want his own feature song. But this I mean, his name is in the song and it, and he just shines on this song. And I guess if you know his personality, you probably could understand why he would feel that way. But it's, it's a dope song. man. It's a dope song. And you know, that was one of the songs that kind of catapulted Meth uh, to the status where he was with the ladies as well. So, I mean, dudes respected it. Um, track 10, Protect Your Neck. Uh, we got RZA and Method Man on the intro. The first verse is Inspector Deck. Second verse, Raekwon. Third, Method Man. They got You Got on the bridge. So, I don't know how they snuck him in there on that. <laughs> but... Uh, the interlude was Method Man, ODB, and RZA. Uh, the fourth verse uh, is ODB. Fifth verse, Ghostface Killer. We got RZA in the sixth verse. Jizza on the seventh verse. And the outro, RZA and Meth. Um, man, this joint, I think, like I said, this was the second video that I saw, but it was so hard. And I think... This may have been the lead single. I can't even remember how the singles went because um, music was so sporadic at the time. And, you know, again, I was on a college campus. Now, according to the notes here, uh, Protect Your Neck was the first single that was released. And Method Man was the second single that was released. Protect Your Neck was released December 14th, 1992. Uh and then Method Man was released August 3rd, 1993. So that dropped just before the album came out. And then Cream subsequently was released January 31st, 31st of 1994. And then Can It Be So Simple, February 22nd, 1994. So, um, you know, it, it goes without saying they, they released some singles. But this was a street album. This wasn't like something for the charts. This wasn't something, you know, that they tried to make to, you know, compete with the West Coast sound. This was just a gritty, grimy ass New York East Coast hip hop album. And it's a classic. Um, 
And last but not least, uh, final track is Tears, uh, with uh, RZA doing the intro in the first verse, Ghostface on the second verse. And of course, they use the sample, After Laughter Comes Tears by Wendy Renee. Um, there's a 12th track, which is Wu-Tang's Seventh Chamber Part 2, um, which is just a remix, basically, uh, but a banger nonetheless. For me, this album is lauded by many, as well as myself, as a classic. Uh, it is a hip-hop staple. It is one of the best hip-hop albums from the 90s. Uh, it is You can make a case that it is one of the best hip-hop albums ever. Um, why do I think it's a classic? This album changed the genre it changed the trajectory of hip-hop to be honest because where hip-hop was and where it was going was in a different direction and again like i said i don't i I can't really tell you how much the west had it on lock i mean like it wasn't even funny and this album at least for me seemed to come out of nowhere from these mcs from this place that you know a lot of us had never even heard of and they were so super duper lyrical and they were dope and then not only that but one of the things that Wu-Tang did was that they were able to secure even within the crew solo deals and even on their solo deals you might have an ODB album but almost every member of Wu-Tang were going to appear on a song or two on the album and then you had a Ghostface album and then you had a Raekwon album and a Method Man album and so forth and so on on down the line and they produced some of the greatest hip-hop albums ever not only that but Wu-Tang was able to transition their logo which is worldwide I mean like that logo that W, when you see it, you know exactly who it is. It's Wu-Tang. There's no doubt about it. And they were able to transfer that into merch. And they were one of the first artists that I can remember that sold millions of dollars in merchandise. Because everybody wanted a piece of the Wu. Everybody wanted a piece of that. And then subsequently when they, you know, I, I you could use the song like Ice Cream, for instance. And they had the girls with the with the cutoff t-shirts on the in, in the videos. Girl, women were buying those shirts. I mean, like it was crazy. And I remember they had the Woo Wear store. They had a Woo Wear store here in Atlanta where I live. It was crazy. And so this album really set off a lot for them, not just collectively as a crew, but individually as well. But yeah, it, it's it's still dope to this day. Uh, if for some reason you're listening to this podcast and you have not heard Wu-Tang enter the 36 chambers, do yourself a favor. Listen several times. This album is so cold. And again, I said, as I said earlier, it's aged very well. It is aged extremely well. It still sounds dope. You can... I listen to it all the time and I still pick up on things. It is mind boggling to me that it is turning 25 years old this year. It is a phenomenal album. 
and I'm glad that they made this album. And more importantly, I'm glad that Wu Tang was able to, you know, kind of bring us into their world because they were totally different. And that was one of the things that appealed to me about this album is that it didn't sound like anything else and they didn't really care. Like they weren't trying to be on the charts. They were just trying to carve their own lane and be dope. And, and to be honest, that's what hip hop is about. And to think I almost threw this album away. <laughs> that's going to do it for me. Thanks again for checking out the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm your boy, 12 Kyle. I'll catch you guys next time. 5,000.